talk about Achashverosh. There's a discussion in the Sefer of the Kuzari when the king of the Kuzari is debating religion with the Chacham and he says to the Chacham, tell me what you consider a king. What's the Jewish definition of a king? And the Chacham answers him and he says it's a person who makes decisions and is strong enough to carry them out. He doesn't let his midas interfere with that. He doesn't let his laziness interfere with that. He's, he's what he decides to do, so that's what he does. And he only acts with, based on his seichel, not um, impulsively. So the king interrupts him. And the king says, I asked you to describe a king, and you're describing to me a tzaddik. And the Chacham answers him, he says, Hatzadik Hu Amosha. That's the king. And it's explained by what he's saying. The method that a king needs isn't the person who's in power, who has an army or has forces at his disposal. It could be a wild ruler who does that. The method that a king needs is the person who's in control. The person's in control, he doesn't get led by things, he doesn't get distracted by whatever else is going on around him. He isn't, he isn't quick to change on the world based on a woman or whatever anybody else wants. A person like that has no strength. They're a follower to whoever's trying to manipulate them. The nature of a king is the person who makes his own decisions and will keep to his decisions. And he doesn't let people decide for him. He decides. And once a king makes a decision, then that's fine. That's what a king is meant to be. And now with that background... Let's look at the person called a king, and we'll see how he was exactly what a king is not meant to be. Achashverosh's primary weakness as a person was that he wasn't a king. And every single instance in the Megiddo which revolves on Achashverosh, we see this idea emphasized again and again and again. That rather than being somebody who was in control, who made decisions, who carry out his decisions, Achashverosh consistently doesn't know how to make a decision. He's led by whoever tries to lead him, and he has no opinion of his own. And let's have a look, and we'll see it throughout the Megiddo. From the beginning, from the beginning, the, the first thing we see Achashverosh is that uh, he, he gets influenced by what people are talking about, and that leads him to make, decide what to do. So at the first, right at the beginning, at the party which he made, and it says, Ketoblevamelech Bayain, it was under the influence of alcohol, and like it says, that the discussion around the table, as is likely to be a discussion of the non-Jewish dignitaries, was where the woman prettier, in Madai or in Paras? And Achashverosh says, actually, my wife's from Bavl, she's prettier than both of them, all of them. So he said, well, let's, let's see. Get her to come and demonstrate. And okay, Sachashverosh does that. He makes a decree. Vashir is coming to appear before the assembly. And Vashir sends him back a message. Are you crazy? You don't get the queen, queen to reveal herself publicly. And of course she was right. That's not the way a queen's meant to act. What made Sachashverosh do that? But under the influence of alcohol and with the, the peer pressure of the, the company around the table. So, Sachashverosh gives them to what they want. And then afterwards, when Vashti insults him, he doesn't know what to do about it. So then again, what should he do? So one of his advisors says, I think you should kill her. You should, you should kill her. 
You should kill her because it's setting a bad precedent in the country that the, you know, that women speak up to their husbands. We have to change that. And therefore, it will make a very strong message if you kill her that all the ladies are going to honor their husbands after that. So what? So we're killing the queen as a lesson to everybody else. That's, uh, again, but it was suggested. Achashverosh listens. And after Achashverosh is depressed because he didn't really want the queen of Ashti. And now he's left with her. So he doesn't know what to do. So his servants come along to us and say, no, let's find a new queen. How are they going to find a new queen? Gather all the women of the country, line them up, for years. And they're going to wait in line to meet the king one at a time. And uh, you can imagine what that did for the country. That every eligible girl is now waiting in, waiting in the king's, uh, in the king's uh, harem to eventually get a chance, which will take years to meet the king. In the meantime, no one else can get married because this is the rule of the king. But again, we, we think about it from the outside, which, which, which normal country would work in such a way? Which normal king would look for a wife by trying to meet every single person? Find somebody who's fitting of a royal standard, someone who's fitting for a king. But that was the suggestion was, let's try it like this. And Nachashverosh went along with it. He didn't have any opinion. He was willing to go along with it. And then, eventually he meets Queen Esther. And he likes Esther. So he marries Esther. And he asks Esther, Esther, who are you? Esther doesn't want to tell him. So he doesn't want to do about that. So he goes to ask what shall I do it? Esther doesn't want to tell him who she is. So Malachi says, okay, so you know, tell her you're going to find a new queen. How are you going to do that? But he covets Psula Shainis. So after having let everybody go home, because now Khashverish has found someone to queen, so now he regathers everybody. What do they think was going on? Why, why are you regathering everybody? You found a queen. Now the queen doesn't want to talk to me, so I have to find someone else. Now, think how much damage Khashverish is doing to his own reputation right, by doing something like that. But he did it. And then after that, it also didn't work. So what is it next? Maybe we'll give gifts to all the different countries. Maybe Esther will actually show some interest in somebody who's getting a gift. And again, what were the countries thinking? We're getting Israel gifts from the king. Why? Because maybe this will inspire Esther to tell us if she's part of your country or not. You can't even control your wife. You can't even get her to talk to you. It's like, think how much damage you're doing to your own reputation as a king by everything you do. We're not finished yet. That's just the start of the story. That's, that's why the Gemara says when people got Nachashverosh they didn't take anything he said seriously because they saw that that's not the way a king works that's not the way a king thinks but it gets more than that Haman comes along Haman has an agenda Haman's a son Yehudim we know he's in Zerah Molek he hates us he wants to destroy us and Haman get, tells the king you know I have this great idea there's this there's this people in your kingdom who aren't really functional they're not doing very much for the economy they, well, I've got a good idea let's, let's wipe them out Nachashverosh yeah it's okay let's wipe them out it's not, again, a normal thing is that a king needs his citizens. Citizens are productive. If they're not productive, you work hard to make them productive. They're not an enemy. They're not a threat. They're not doing anything negative. Even Homer didn't claim that. Homer has an enemy. He should have said they, you know, they're plotting against you. They're, inspiring, you know, they're causing protests in Tel Aviv. They're making rebellions. I don't know what they're doing. Nothing. Nothing. He had nothing bad to say about us. He weren't doing anything against the country. All he wanted to say is that we're not doing much, that we're always taking off a Shabbos in Yom Tov. That was all he could say. Okay, so that, that, that's a reason to destroy people? What have they done wrong? What have they done wrong? Now, Haman didn't need reasons. Haman was not too but Hitler didn't need reasons either. But uh, if you come to a king and you're trying to explain why we should embark on, on a program of genocide and wipe out an entire nation, what for? Who are they harming? And once again, what's it going to cost you? What's it going to cost you? What's it going to cost you in terms of resources to try and kill those people? What's it going to cost you in terms of loss of productivity that... Uh, 
you're not going to have all these people part part of the workforce. Whatever they're going to do, well, what's it worthwhile for? Why would you want to do it? What's the gain for Achashverosh? And if you think about it, there isn't any, nothing. Achashverosh didn't stand to gain anything by killing the Jews. Haman thought that one thing I can offer him is I'll offer him money. So I'll give him his, I'll offer him ten thousand uh, kikri kasef. Because there was no other benefit for Achashverosh, and not only that, that's what Esther tells him. The enemy never thought of what damage is going to do. You never thought what damage is going to do to you. There's no benefit you're going to get from this. So why did you agree? How did he agree? Because Haman told him. So he did it. And we go weiter. In the of the story of Achashverosh, you'll see the same thing again. Achashverosh makes a rule that no one's allowed into the throne room without permission. And Esther knows about the rule, and therefore Mordechai comes to him and tells the guy to go to the king. She says, I can't. There's a rule. If he walks into the throne room without permission, gets killed. So Mordechai says, be most nefesh. Okay, she is. Now look from Achashverosh's perspective. Esther walks in without permission. Uh, he doesn't enforce the rule. Malach Esther, what do you want? So she says, I'm making a tea party off, and I wanted to invite you. Now once again, think what a, what, how, how stupid it makes Achashverosh look. Now, if you came and said, you know, Malach, it's, it's an emergency, Pekorach Nefesh, I know there's a rule, but I have to break it, then I'm going to uh, say it, I understand. But you have a rule, and it's an enforce- you're meant to be enforcing your own rules, and the queen breaks the rule, why to invite you to tea? It's like, that's so important. That's so worthwhile that you have to break my rule for. But Achashosh doesn't do the thing. He meekly agrees, okay, we'll come to tea. Who else is invited? Haman. Let's go to tea. Haman. Now Achashosh wonders, what in the world? Well, Esther has done this before, and she comes specially into the throne room. Like, so he asks her, Esther, what do you want? Malach Esther, what are you asking for? And Esther's answer is, I want to make another tea party tomorrow. Do you think for a second that Achashverosh thought that's the end of the story? Of course not. Right? But he tried to push us. And he doesn't want to tell him. Another party tomorrow. That's all I'm asking you for. So, okay. So Achashverosh is fine. So we have to wait till tomorrow. And again, if you look in Chazal, Achashverosh himself doesn't understand what's happening. And that's a Belaylahu after the first party. He couldn't fall asleep. What's going on? What in the world? What is Esther trying to do? Should break the law, should come in front of the king to ask for an invitation to come drink tea. And then when I come and I see this, must be something really important. No, it's nothing, just another tea party tomorrow. Like, well, what, where she, what's this all about? So Akash understands that something he doesn't understand. But we will we'll ask him the question as the spectator from the side. Akash you're a king. Right? Put your foot down, insist, make it, do something, nothing. Whatever people tell him to do, that's what he does. And it's Kavaita. Achashverosh um, can't fall asleep so he gets him to read the book of Zichronos what happened in the past and he has a story of Mordechai Mordechai saved his life ah, what should we do for Mordechai? <coughs> no ideas <coughs> nothing what should we do? Mm, I don't know okay who's outside? Homan Homan we need help here right? I need to make a decision I don't know what to do uh, we went to reward someone what's a good reward? so Homan suggests a reward Homan thought it was meant for him but Homan suggests a reward Achashverosh says ah great idea we've had something to do let's go do it Homan go do it to Mordechai and Haman says, but no, Mordechai. Yeah, you suggested it, and carry it out. Achashverosh couldn't have thought of something. He had to go with what Haman's reward was. Again, yeah, Achashverosh didn't know what to do. Yeah, but now someone suggested, fine, that's, that's what we want to do. And there's, uh, you see, now he did, did he ask any questions? Did he ask, offer any alternatives? No, Kasher like he even says, like you said, you told me what to do, I'm listening to you. Go and do it. Okay? And now the story gets more crazy than that. Because at the second party, Shesh asks again, Esther Malka, what's going on? Why are these parties? So Esther says, because 
to not send enough to Shalasi. I'm also going to get killed. I'm also going to get killed. Save my life. And Achashver says, Who wanted to kill you? And Esther says, Haman. Haman arise. Now, let's stop the story at that stage and think, What was Achashver thinking? When did Haman want to kill Esther? When did Haman want to kill Esther? The only thing which, if Achashverosh would have thought about it, was the Xeri against the Jews, even though it was Jewish, as you know. But, but if that's the case, one second, he was the one who agreed to Xeri too. It wasn't just Haman. He wasn't agreed to Xeri. And if he's going to say, well, you know, I'm sorry, Esther, I never knew you were Jewish. Right? So Haman could have said exactly the same thing. I mean, you're a king. You didn't know she was Jewish. I also didn't know she was Jewish. Right? So we made a mistake. Okay, let's do an exceptional letter off. But... The king doesn't say that, and it doesn't make any sense. Haman was his prime minister. And for whatever reason, he liked Haman. He gave him all the power in the, that, that Haman had had. And he had agreed to the decree of Haman too. Why in the world would that be something which would turn Achashverosh against Haman? Maximum, what any normal king would have said, is, okay, Esther, the, the decree doesn't apply to you. If he had a reason to keep up the decree, the decree it doesn't apply to you. You're an exception. We'll let you off. Or, alternatively, okay, so we don't like the decree, we'll cancel the decree. Either or. But where was, the, where was the reason here to get angry at Haman? Just like Achashverosh could claim ignorance. I didn't know you were Jewish. And then Haman could have said exactly the same thing. And whatever value Haman had to Achashverosh as a prime minister, so he, there's, no, there's no reason here which you've accused Haman of a crime that you have to kill him for. What did he do? What did he do? Again, we don't like Haman. Haman's our enemy. But from Achashverosh's perspective, think about it. What did Haman do that was so bad? But, and once again, uh, Achashverosh turns because now he's listening to Esther. And Esther says, he's the enemy, he's Haman Arashe. She doesn't just say Haman. She dafka went into how bad he is. He's the enemy. And now they change Achashverosh's mind. Haman's the enemy. Haman's the enemy. He never thought about that. Until now, Haman was his friend. Now, uh, Esther told him Haman's the enemy. Yeah, Haman's the enemy. And, well, therefore, uh, we see a change in man Al-Kadekach, that when he comes back inside, and the Pasuk tells us, Haman fell on top of the bed of where Esther was. Now, the, the Pasuk doesn't say Haman had any evil intention. It said he fell. Right? But the way the king sees that, huh, Esther was right. Haman's trying to kill her. He's trying to kill her in my palace. Now, why does Hashem think that? Again, because Esther had told him that Haman's wanted to kill him, and that's what Achashverosh thought now. Once again, what you tell him, he believes. And that's the end of Haman. Once Achashverosh said that, Haman gets all over for him, because just like he knew how to manipulate Achashverosh, he knew it wasn't hard to do it. And now Achashverosh had been twisted against him, it's all over. Now he's seen, he's seen as the enemy. And that's not going to happen to him. Let's go to the next step. Uh, well, now we have a new vacant position in the palace. Right? There's no prime minister. He's going to fill in position. So, again, now Esther is the one who has the king's ear. So she says, give it to Mordechai. So that's exactly what Achishverosh does. Achishverosh is Mordechai by someone. We need a prime minister. Esther told me to take Mordechai. Fine, Mordechai, 100%. And uh, think how this must have looked to the, again, to the, the rest of the story, the, the rest of the royal family, the other ministers of Shushan. Mordechai was the person who didn't listen to the king. 
Mufurish not. The king made a rule, everyone has to bow down to Haman. Right? That was the king's rule. That was the king's rule. And everybody listens nicely to the king except for one person. Mordechai doesn't listen to the king. He's killed of the rebel on the force. Everyone's listening. And the king said to him, Why aren't you listening to the king? We're all servants of the king. We're all listening to the king. Why don't you listen to the king? So in, in, among the officials, among the staff, among the sarim, whatever you're going to call them, of the royal palace, Mordechai was the traitor. Mordechai was the one who doesn't listen to the king. And they said to him, why aren't you listening? Now, Haman gets deposed. Haman, the prime minister, gets deposed. Who's going to be the new prime minister? I can guarantee you, had you asked any one of the Sari Parasumadai who, who should be the next prime minister, their last candidate would be Mordechai. Because he's the most disloyal among all of us. He doesn't listen to the king. And then again, so what, what, what's it doing for the morale of this? Of, no, Mordechai, he's, he's my man. What did he do? Why are you choosing him? Esther likes him. So that's what you choose the prime minister based on. Yeah. Esther said he's a good guy. We're going with that. One, one more time, you see the same trend by Achashverosh. The same thing Achashverosh. He's told he does. And now, same thing happens the next day. And, and this is the biggest reversal in the Megiddo. The king made a decree to tell all the nations that we're going to kill the Jews. The king was signed with his ring and was sent out, like his boss says, that to all the occasions the nations that the 13th of Adar, Rabbi said, be ready, the king's soldiers, you're all going to be called up from the reserves, you're all on duty to fight. Who? The, uh, the Jews. Okay, so they all knew it. The princes and the pachis and the ministers and the generals, we've all been primed. In that information, the 13th of Adar, we're going to rally our troops and we're going to fight the Jews. <coughs> what are you going to do about that? So that's what Esther comes back and begs the king the second time. So the king says, Esther, do whatever you want. Take my ring, whatever you want. But this is your order. It's like, Yeah, I'm okay, whatever you want to do is fine. So what, 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 what was the second letter they wrote back? That it's true. There was just one mistake in the first letter. We want everyone to gather together and all the armies of the king are going to gather in the third of Adar, but not to fight the Jews. That was, that was a mistake. To fight with the Jews. You understand? We, we've changed sides. You thought you are fighting the Jews. No, the new the, the new is a clarification. We're fighting to help the Jews against the enemies of the Jews. Again, how, how does that sound? Who's the enemy? Who's with the king? Who's against the king? We're fighting for, we're fighting against. Which side are we on exactly? Right? How do people understand such a thing? Right? Uh, imagine today's terms. Imagine today's terms that NATO had a statement that, yeah, we're all supporting the Ukraine against Russia. And then we have another section that what we meant to say is we're supporting Russia against the Ukraine. Now, what does that mean? Who's your friend? Who's your enemy? How do, how do things like that make a mistake about? Right? But that's exactly what happens. And now all the Achashtar and the Pachs and everybody else now switch sides. Okay, so that's the way it is. Now we're on the Jewish side. And that's what happens. When the, the 13th of Adar, so the Apostle tells us that they, they all, Nikola Yudim, and all the king's soldiers came to help them fight the enemies of the Jews. Reversal up, down. Uh, what, what made him change? Because we also told him. What made him decide the first one? That's what Haman told him. What we see in the nature of Achashverosh. The nature of Achashverosh, and that's what we've been shown the whole way through the Megillah, is like the Apostle right at the beginning. That it says, normally in Tanakh, normally in Tanakh, when it introduced us to somebody who was a king, it calls him Hamelech whoever. But here in the Megillah, 
he was Achashverosh Hamoylech, who was ruling, but he wasn't the king. It never calls him a Melech Achashverosh. Like you even have Barashayim, they were called Melech. They were called a king. No, Achashverosh never called him Melech Achashverosh. He wasn't the king. He was Achashverosh Hamoylech. Achashverosh who was in the position of power. How he got there was he was through money or through whatever else it might have been. But Lamaisa, he wasn't the king. He didn't have the, the first mirror that a king has to have. The first mirror a king has to have is the decisiveness to decide, to make up your own mind, and to stick to your decision, and to implement your decision. And Achshavosh had none of them. He wasn't the king. He, he never ever made up his own mind once, like we saw. He didn't know what to do with Vashti, he didn't know what to do with Haman, he didn't know what to do with anything. He always had to be told what to do. He didn't have a reward Mordechai, like we saw. He never, he, was all, he never ever stood up to anything he was told in the Megillah. If you look at the Megillah, look, you'll never find Achshavosh has an opinion on anything. And the same thing when it comes to Shushan. The, the, the Jews fought the battle. So the, they brought, Esther brings him uh, the, the list of all the Harugim, all the people that they killed in Shushan, the, the Bnei Haman. And, and so Achshavosh says, he gets the information. The Jews fought in Shushan, they killed however many people. And Achshavosh says, okay, Esther, what should we do next? That's the answer. That's what he says to her when they bring him. And Melech says to Esther and Malka, "Well, now what should we do?" And Esther says, "Well, let's fight again tomorrow in Shushan." And the king said, "Fine, we'll fight again tomorrow." And the same thing. He can't nothing. He never decided anything. He can't make up his mind. He can't decide anything. Whatever people tell him to, that's what he does. The example of a non-king. The example of a non-king. But what's the lesson from that? The lesson, which is, uh, besides obviously, the, the, the Megillah is showing us, the Megillah is showing us the, the personality of Achashverosh. The, the, the quote is like this. Like we said, Haman was a Russia. Haman knew exactly what he wanted to do, and he was very organized, and he was very strong about trying to achieve his goals. But like the Bible says initially, when you have a weak king, so then everybody tries to take advantage of it. When you know that you can manipulate whatever person in power to resist that, to give, give you what you want, so then of course. But it works both ways. Because the same way Haman could use it against us, so it could be used against him as well. And he also realized that. Like we said, Beragi understood Esther had to, like, turned the king's way of thinking, so he knew he was finished. It's, uh, when you have a Moshe who's not a strong Moshe, so then it's, a, it's an opportunity for anyone who wants to do bad to do bad because they can always work the king to their way of thinking. That's, a, that's a, the first point of what, what set up the story in the Megillah. And that's when the Megillah starts the story of the party and the story of Ashti. Because from there already we see who Achashverosh was. We see Achashverosh's weakness. There's a Midah which... Uh, which you know, one of the middles is a miracle Fachas Kamein, a person who's hasty like water. Reuben, the son of Yaakov, Yaakov told him, You have that middah. That's why when you saw that I'd moved my bed into Bera's tent, you decided to do something about it. You didn't think, you didn't work it out, you didn't, you just reacted impulsively. And the result of that is uh, what uh, Yaakov tells him. You were meant to become the king. You were the oldest son and you should have been the king. But Pachas Kamayim, a person in that middle, is not royal for royalty. It's not royal for royalty. Someone who can't decide and can't, and can't control his feelings to come to a decision and implement a decision, he just acts spontaneously, that's not a king. 
and that's why Ruven lost the Malchus. Because it's exactly the same idea. A person who's impulsive, a person who acts without thinking, a person who's reactive to what other people do, that's not a king. And we see the same thing in our six of Torah. was the first king chosen, and Shal was a tzaddik. And Hashem gives him an instruction to go and destroy Amalek. And Shal went and he fought, and he conquered Amalek, and he killed all the people, and he left all the sheep. And Hashem sent Shmuel as a Navi to tell Shmuel, why, to Shal Shal, why did he leave the sheep? Hashem told you to kill the sheep. Why did he leave the sheep? And Shaul says, The people, the people wanted to, to, to ruin such good sheep. This is, why should we ruin the sheep? The people didn't want to ruin the sheep. And Hashem's answer, you're not a king anymore. Hashem's taken the malchus away from you. Berega, you can't be a king, which means you don't know how to stand up for what's right. You're given to what other people tell you to do. You can't make your own decision. You blame the people, then you're not a king. You've lost the kingship. That's, you've lost the middle of what it means to be a king. And that's why the Shaul's Meluchu lasted for a year and a half. Because he didn't have the middle which was necessary for kingship. That, that same you said, that a person decides not based on what other people tell him to do. And I can stand up for what's right. And therefore we go back to his started with. The one who was a king in the Megillah was Mordechai. What you see in the middle of Mordechai is Mordechai decided what he wanted to do. He never ever bent to what he didn't want to do. Never. When it came to, when it came to bang down to Haman, like we saw before, and this was the king's decree, and everyone asks him, call Avdi Amalek, Mordechai, yoim, yoim, every day, no, 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 Mordechai, what's wrong with you? Everyone's bang down, where are you in Mordechai? Why aren't you listening to everybody else? Why aren't you listening to the king? Mordechai didn't budge. Ever. I'm not doing it. Finished. He didn't try to get out of it. He didn't try and hide and no one would notice him. Nothing. I'm not doing it. And somebody asked her. The king, the king tried everything to get her to talk. He embarrassed himself no end, like we saw before. They try and get Esther there. And Esther, like he gave Esther. There's nothing to do. She's not talking. You could beg, you could plead, you could threaten, you could offer gifts, you could bring back the other girls, you could... It doesn't make a difference. Esther's not going to speak. And what you see in the story is... Achashverosh can't compete with that. When a person has the middle of being a melech, which means he's in control of himself, and he can decide what he wants to do. So then, Achashverosh has nothing to say. He, he could, you, you could disobey him on a daily basis, nothing he could do about it. As he disobeyed him on a daily basis, nothing he could do about it. He wasn't a king. They were. And go back to where we started. Hatzadik Moshe. Hatzadik Moshe. A person has the middle of control. That's a king. That's a king. And therefore, Ba'atzim, the kings in the story, are Mordechai and Esther. They're the ones who were in control. They're the ones who, therefore, weren't pushed, weren't forced into doing what they didn't want to do. Exactly what they wanted to do, that's what happened. And that, that's again, that's Lacha. Whereas Achashverosh HaMolech, Achashverosh, who was acting as the king, like we saw, on the contrary, he was a puppet. He was pushed from wherever, in any direction anyone wanted to push him. He might have had the power and he might have had the forces of the soldiers behind him or the wealth, but he didn't have the ability to be a king. That's one of the many lessons we learned from the Megillah. One of the many lessons from the Megillah is exactly this point, is that uh, one of the ways that Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the world is when you have people who they're not kings, the heart of the king is in the hands of Hashem, whatever he wants, he can make the king do. 
it can push him this way, it can push him that way, especially by Achashverosh. Someone who didn't have the middle of being a king, so we see how he changes himself from one part of the community to the next. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing which can't change by Achashverosh. It just depends who's, 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 who's the one to influence him. So it's a personality type, like everything else in the ghetto, it all contributes to the nace. of what Kaddish Baruch did is how you see the, the people who were involved in it, how each one, their, their weakness, or their, so to speak, uh, the area where they were, where, where they were vulnerable and was used in order to bring about the nest. So.